What's up, everybody? This is JJ Johnson Stemsky, the host of New York, New York on the Ringer Podcast Network. And this is the show that never sleeps because New York City is the city that never sleeps. When it comes to your team's reaction, no matter the day, if it's a big event, if something's cooking, we got you covered. We got the best guests in town. We have your voicemails, your way to interact and get involved with the show. We're always bringing the fire and passion. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you get the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Bathed in glorious light this morning. That's that's the bisexuality. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, thanks. It is Bi Visibility Day, so I'm it very is. happy. Yep, happy yep. Bi Visibility Day, as Indeed. we post every single year. Yes, exactly. The same post. <laughs> happy Bi Visibility Day from one Bi and one Ryan. Indeed, indeed. How are you keeping? You right? Yeah, I'm all right, man. The sun is out. It's, uh, it was the first day of autumn yesterday. But the sun is shining. It's deceptive though, because it's, it's that kind of, actually it's the kind of weather I love where it's, it's sunny, but it's actually got a kind of good chill to it. But it's a re- there's a really nice dry cold in Berlin that people don't always know about before they get here. But yeah. Uh, really good is, is, is a bit kind. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to pretend I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm too scared to step outside my door in the winter yes. because, oh no, I can't say that because the Canadians will come for me. Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Canadians. Sorry. I'm going to do one of those there. Typical white boy apologies. Sorry to anyone who I offended. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's all. A <laughs> uh, quick bit of admin before we get going. Uh, first of all, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Yes. Wrighty's house is up on the Ringer of Seafood. Mayoa and I joined Wrighty this week. We talked about Jimmy Greaves, who became the first inductee into 
the newly formed Wrighty's House Wall of Fame. Love it. Uh, so that's going to be a regular feature on Wrighty's House where we will talk about a classic, legendary football figure who will go onto the Wall of Fame. And when we do some Wrighty's House live stuff, we'll have the Wall of Fame with us. So yeah, that's up on the Ringer FC feed. We also talked about the Schumacher documentary. I've still got that piece going up. It's, it became a little bit more <laughs> it became a little bit more existential, so it's not quite done yet, but it will be up soon. Um, Worth the wait, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, Those are always the best pieces that you write when you begin in one place and end up in one completely different. Yeah, but also it's just shout, shout to Connor Nevins, our editor at the Ringer, who's just... Yeah, shout out to Connor. He's brilliant. Absolutely the brilliant. best. I've worked with... Several editors over the years, but he is absolutely, yeah, you know, he is as good as anyone out there, frankly. And today, because the midweek fixtures were a little bit all over the place, there was some Carabao Cup, there were some league games in Europe. We thought we'd do a proper mailbag today. But is there anything you want to touch on from the football? I think Juventus fans owe me a, a thank you. Because at 2-1 down on Wednesday night, I wrote a tweet saying... Basically, I don't think the football first gods are ever going to forgive Juve for firing Pirlo. And they won 3-2 to get their first league, game, league win of the season. In fairness to you, Chiesa has been defying the odds for the last year and a half anyway. One thing I will say, actually, it's funny you should mention Serie A. One thing I want to just very quickly is a shout out to Napoli, mm. um, who ended the season just missing out on Champions League and who've started in beautiful form under Luciano Spalletti and are really exciting so far well they're always exciting I mean no one in the league when they're on is on like Napoli and it's just nice to see them start the season in such fine form so yeah shout out to them I mean I watched Getafe Atleti on Tuesday night that was brief it was basically everything you thought it would be apart from there weren't there weren't enough red cards just Carl Carl Salenian got sent off though and I was chatting to Kevin Williams online about it and because when he got sent off they were 1-0 up Getafe Kev was saying I bet he's feeling that one I said man he's he's been at Getafe a while now Kev he has, yeah, yeah. He may have lost the beard, but he's still very much nomad Alenia. It's in him, exactly, exactly, it's in him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alenia is a good example. We said this before with Ben Assert and Arsenal. He's a good example of a very fine player that slips through the cracks when the club is in a weird transition. Mm. He's the kind of player that a functional club does not let go. That makes sense. That's my opinion anyway. We're going to get onto the mailbag. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Okay, we have two questions on El Tigre. One from Killian Shields. By what great distance is Falcao the signing of the summer? And Sedentary Gary, the honorary Stadio lifelong president. Yes. <laughs> With Falcao taking the number three shirt at Rio, what are some of your favorite other examples of players wearing an unconventional number for their position? So uh, two goals off the bench so far for Falcao and to his, and on his return to La Liga. I like this signing a lot. We said on Monday's episode that we think Falcao will score a, a ton of goals for, for Rio this season. And I think for a club like Rio, whose main goal is to stay in the league, I just think having someone with the experience and, to be fair, still, ability of yes. Falcao, 
even if he may not be able to start every single game, play 90 minutes every single game, I think having him there as an option and for younger players to kind of learn off and just people, someone who's done it and had vast experience at the top level at some big, big football clubs, it's just huge. Yeah, Falcao to me feels like a kind of character from a novel or something. You know, like mm. gentlemen centre forwards, you know, like Falcao and Cavani in that tradition of elder statesmen that come to a club and just bring so much, you know, they're the, you can imagine them being the kind of player where they turn up like late in their career and the young players come home and they're like super hyped after training. It's like, oh, oh my God, you should see Falcao in training. You can imagine him just turning up and in the shooting drills, being brilliant, helping fetch the balls at the end, like just his whole aura. Mm-hmm. this is what I love about him as an asset there are some players who when you sign them you'll talk to managers and they'll be like yeah that, that's what my like, like Henrik Larsson when Larsson went to United for those few months the Falcao signing feels like that um, I, think, I think it's great for, for the club and great for him it's just great to see him getting, getting games after, after the horrific injury that he had mm. uh, and in terms of shirt numbers we mentioned it on Monday didn't we but the, he's wearing yeah. the number three shirt as a kind of tribute to his his father who passed away and his father used to play and wore, and wore yeah. number three. I always loved Cruyff with the 14 because there was, was like a- very hum- unconventional. The there was, time, there yeah. was almost like a humility to it, to being outside the 11. Um, and that sounds, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Like I've got the 14 and like, oh. like your humility. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because you know, they're, they're not, they're like, they're quite dissonant, aren't they? But I think the thing about it was it was so distinctive. You see it and you're like, oh, that's, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I remember um, he, he, he wore the nine for a bunch as well when wearing 14 wasn't allowed. But no, I like that. I mean, Cruyff and 14 is kind of iconic, isn't it? I think when you have back at that time, you look at iconic players pre-squad numbers in the 90s, let's say, and it's quite rare that you associate a non-1 to 11 number with an iconic player. You know, if you think yeah. like Maradona, 10, yes. Pele, 10, George Best, 7. Right. He did for 14, I think, what like Jordan did for 23. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. You know, you see a lot of players who will take the 14 shirt, and especially at a club like Barcelona or even at Ajax, or for the Netherlands, and it has an added, added weight to that. And I'm, I'm really into numbers that are outside of the 1 to 11 that have an associated meaning or a little bit of added value, like some of the classic numbers, like, you know, 7 and 10 and even 6 and stuff like that. He did, yeah, he did for the number 14 what Prince did for the colour purple, in a sense that the association, the association with it is just like, that, that's his number, that, that's his colour, you know, that's their colour or whatever, like, that's how you feel. One other thing I want to say as well, one of my favourites actually was, um, was Vieira wearing four because there's something about a four where you're like, oh, that's like a back foot, that's a defender's number. And what you'll say, it's almost a statement of, I'm the core of this. Or like Redondo wearing the five, like Redondo was a six really, but wearing the five, you're almost saying, I dominate from this far back all the way up. And you know, like when you see the truly great fullbacks, for example, like Roberto Carlos, you'd watch them over the course of a, a game, like engulf their flank. They start off just defending with a slide tackle and then by the, by the 80th minute, they're like covering 80% of the flank by themselves. And I, I kind of like players who take numbers which are like, I'm enveloping like all of this, if that makes sense. Mm. How, how, about, how about yourself? Uh, I mean, yeah, Vieira, like Fabregas taking the four at Arsenal was, I thought was really... I love that. You know, okay, yeah, have yeah, this yeah. diminutive yeah. kind of midfielder who is wearing a number four. In terms of Curveballs, Clint Dempsey at Spurs. <laughs> of course, yeah, Always. great shot. Number two. Great, great shot. Adebayor at Real Madrid. The, 
Was he at the five or the six? He was the six. six, was six. six I think it's a six, yeah. Yeah, because I think we did have talked about it on an episode once, and I think I mentioned five, but it was actually six. It was a six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, something super wild about it. There, there, was a, there, was, there was a lot of shirt talk in the Euros, actually, because obviously David Alaba was wearing number eight for Austria. Yeah. He's playing left back at one point. And he's looking great at Real, by the way. Yeah. Shout out, he's looking great at Real right um, now. There's some, yeah, I mean, on, on, the Arsenal have had a few actually. I mean, obviously William Gallas, number 10, it was the, probably the biggest football shirt number crime of yeah, all Yeah, that time. was a crime. Yeah, that's not a favourite. Yeah. I think that's a moment that shifted the balance of football and gravity, just changed football Arsenal gravity. Arsenal's never recovered. No, I don't think so. There are things that matter in football and this was one of them. And you didn't realise how much it mattered until you saw how wrong it was. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, no, this is not right. Yeah, uh, I like shirt numbers. Shirt numbers are a very intriguing art form. We had a question from Baz, jokes journalist, and it's an interesting one. I wanted to reference it now. We're not going to talk about it now because I think we should leave it for a separate episode because we've been, there's, there's, there's something about sp- um, sponsorship, which I think is a little bit murky. And there's a lot of stuff that's come out recently about Arsenal's sponsorship deal with Visit Rwanda. Yeah. There's a good piece on Football London about it. It's something that people should be talking a lot more about. I would recommend people going and reading the piece. But yeah, it's a very, very murky deal. Yeah. And uh, one that, as an Arsenal fan personally, I wish wasn't in play. I would say this. I think it's like when Atleti did the deal with Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. uh, Barcelona and Qatar. I think there's always a risk when you have a sponsorship like in collaboration with a country, you can therefore be seen as endorsing, you know, some of the political outlook of, yeah. you know, some of the leadership and political decisions. And I think it's, it's always a risk, Ryan. It's always a risk. And it felt like a risk at the time for various reasons. You know, that's a situation political I've been looking at for a while uh, in Rwanda. I just feel like even, even Arsenal's statement about how, you know, the deal's drawn attention to Rwandan culture and the dumb of tourism. I was like, mm, I'm not sure that there was I'm not sure about the greatest wisdom that went into the crafting of that, of that initial sponsorship or that response. That, that's my view on it. But, and a relatively you know. small financially, you know, in terms of the overall budget of a football club. Yeah, yeah. When I'm not entirely sure needed to happen, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we might go into that a little bit more because I think there's, there's an episode there in terms of sponsorships and yeah. stuff like that, especially because La Liga is ruled against betting sponsorships being on shirts. Hmm. There's a conversation to be had there for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thanks for flagging that, Baz. That's great. Yeah. Okay. We did have a question about what would our alternate footballing universes be, or alternate footballing realities be? And for those who are unaware, even before the Ringer, we did a what if episode on in March 2020. That was yep. the first one. We've done many since. We have for Stadio What Ifs on Spotify. We need to do another proper What If soon, don't we? We do. Yeah, yeah. But we do have a mini one here. And I like this from El Chente. A La Liga what if. What if Ryan and or Musa had been in charge of Barcelona when Neymar left? How would you have spent the money? Who would you have bought? Wow. Oh, wow. It's such a great question. What I would have done very quickly, short story. Um, the best thing that Aston Villa could have done was not do a direct replacement with Jack Grealish, as we said. They got three players that basically had his skill set. And I think with Neymar, you break up the skill set over like two or three players. And what you do strategically is then you don't put too much press on one player coming in, and then you just bank the rest of the money. So you basically use, I would say, use half of it, or maybe like even a third of it. So high, basically I, would do, I might buy two players and then bring someone up from the youth team, actually. 
and then just bank the rest. I mean, what was the what was the fee? Two hundred twenty-two million euro. I would have gone straight for Mbappe. That's super interesting. I think you would have got Mbappe from Monaco, especially because you were taking him out of the league. Then bank the rest because it's a it's a like for like in terms of position where they would pl- where they would play. Because at, Na- at Barcelona, Neymar was obviously predominantly on the left hand side. Mm. Mbappe would slot in there really well. If you think about it now, what Mbappe's twenty two. Messi would if, if if we were running Barcelona, Messi would still be there. Griezmann wouldn't yes. have been signed. No, Tino, I don't think. No, 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 way, no, nowhere near, nowhere near. We wouldn't have bought Dembele for that money. No, if we had bought Dembele, then we would have actually probably only offered Dortmund sixty. Yes, I don't think, but I don't think Dembele. I don't think that would have been. He would have been the person. If we'd gone into that room in Monaco to meet Zork and Vatska, and they'd be like, "Guys, guys, Ryan Musa, really sorry, guys." got to run and get we've got to go and get a flight it's we'll 120 like, million take it or leave it we'd be like oh no it's good then and we'll be like no you don't have to run and get a flight because we live further into Berlin than you do and if mm. we're not in a hurry you're definitely not in a hurry yeah. so let's all sit down have some more drinks and have a serious conversation or hmm you know we would have said we were there for, for, for um, we would have said that we were there for Dembele but actually we were there for a couple of the other players so we'd have uh, I was really, say, really hyped. I was going to say, uh, what I would have done is actually, I would have gone into the room. I'd been like, Dembele. So let's say we would have gone for Dembele in, hmm, maybe it wouldn't have worked. Maybe the timeline wouldn't have fit. Maybe we'd have to do a little bit of, uh, well, mm, okay, no, it, well, it would have worked. So. I'd sit down and be like, oh, guys, all right, yeah, we're really, really interested in taking Dembele off you. Oh, have you got a replacement lined up? Like anyone you're thinking of taking? They'd be like, yeah, we're going to take this kid, Jaden Sancho, from, from Manchester. And we'd be ah. like, uh, cool. We'll think about Dembele. We'll give you a ah. shout in a bit. Go straight ah. outside. I'd get straight on the phone to Manchester City or Sancho's agent. I'd be like, we'll pay you 30% more than what Dortmund were and you can come to Barcelona. That is incredible. That's well, actually, incredible. Forget Mbappe. Mbappe can. Oh no! Actually, no. I'd take Mbappe. I'd take Mbappe and I'd take Sancho and I'd play them either side of Messi and Suarez and have Messi as like a little ten in midfield. So there we go. We'd have our front three of. This is our quick what if. We'd have our front three of Mbappe, Suarez, Sancho, and Messi just in the hole behind. That would eat everything. You know what that is three straight. <laughs> Do you know what I think that is? What's that? Barca. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Barcelona fans are just like, how the fuck is our club in a position where these two randoms on a podcast have actually <laughs> formed a better transfer strategy, strategy than <laughs> Barcelona did over the last five years? Straight off the dome as well. Indeed. So there you go. We did the quick what if. Vibes. There we go. I love that. We had a couple of questions from people and I find them really interesting from one from Dwight Hobbs and one from New Yes MSG. One said, where do I go to learn football strategy? I enjoy the pod, but I don't know anything. But I know nothing about tactics. I mean, I'm biased. I would just go to... There was another one who said, as someone just getting back into watching mostly the Premier League from the US after about 10 years away, apart from the old World Cup or Euro match, any suggestions about how to take in things like tactical setups and off the ball play? Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Dwight. So there are a few things. So for those who, I mean, if you want to activate a Google Translate, uh, Spielverlagerung, 
is a really good website. Amazing, yeah. It's pretty. I think pretty much all of it is in German. But if mm. you, you can't. I mean, even if you activate a, a Google Translate, you can read it. Um, it's think, so so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, the Tifo boys they do amazing videos. JJ and Alex on Tifo do amazing tactical breakdowns on like a kind of like a big screen thing. Jasmine Baba does some really good tactical breakdowns of games. She's been doing some recently. She's really good because she shows you what to look for. I, uh, do you know what? I, I would actually say if you, if you aren't really aware of, of tactics in general, I'd go on the hunt for some books because there are some basically, like when I was doing, when I did my coaching badge in the UK uh, a while ago, um, I found... I basically, I took it way more seriously than all the other dads who were there because they just had to be there because their clubs had turned into standard chartered clubs. Yeah. I just bought a load of, a load of books about it. Coaching books are actually really interesting. Some of them are obviously super dated and just aren't, they don't Quite really dry. work anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. but there are just various things that you can pick up and absorb from just reading stuff that isn't necessarily about specific teams now and just more about certain philosophies. Mm. Or for people who aren't aware of tactics, I think a really good way to do it is go and read up on various philosophies through, through football. So go and read up on like people like Renus Mikels, go and read up on like the origins of like the Bielsa stuff and what, and how his teams play early Pep's Barca and Catanacho. Everyone, I mean the, the reference points, they're, they're the books that get talked about a lot, but David Winner's Brilliant Orange, I would say, uh, and also Renus Mikels team building. And the reason I mentioned those two is because they put tactics in context. And I think it's really important mm. if you're going to learn about tactics to kind of enjoy the surrounding context. And the obvious one, we talked about it before, my bias because it works amazing, but Grace Robertson's yeah, newsletter course, yeah. at Grace on Football, yeah. just because Grace has this great thing where she does the historical context of where the tactics come from, as well as what you're seeing. Um, also, one thing I, I do do is the Who Scored website is brilliant. It will go through like, for example, a player's performances and the average position they've played all season. So you can have a good sense if a player's not in the best formula, oh, actually, it might be because they've been out of position for half the season and so on. So you get a sense not only of the tactics, but the context in which the tactics are being deployed. So that's well worth looking at. I don't know if you can get it everywhere, but in Germany, you can sometimes watch games on the tactics cam. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I haven't seen Which that. is almost like a scouting cam. So basically, it's just a, it's a, it's an aerial camera. It's not for theatrical purposes. If you can find access to any of those, watch games like that. Because if you aren't massively aware of like how certain tactical shifts affect things that might be out of shot in a normal sense, it's a really, really good way to, it's a really good way just to absorb and observe patterns of play and, and, and tactical movements. And I think that the thing that um, like when, when I was playing quite a lot and when I was kind of wanting to do more coaching badges and stuff. This sounds a bit patronising, so apologies if it, do, if it is. But I think a lot of people who maybe don't go into too much depth tactically mm. with their enjoyment of football, which is also fine. Like we don't do a lot of tactics stuff on Stadio because I think that there are a lot of more tactics-focused podcasts out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like doing it occasionally, but I think it's more about different things for us in terms of why we do the podcast. But tactics are something that we both really, we usually discuss. Actually, you and I more probably discuss tactics stuff more when we're actually in person. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, basically how things that might seem completely unrelated are actually totally related. Yes. This is, this is obviously quite like entry level, but a lot of people may, may, may not see the link of 
creating an overload on the right-hand side between triangles on the left. And um, looking at things that you notice or watching goals a little more closely that are quite well worked and trying to, trying to look at the passing patterns or the passing lanes and see the movements of players because sometimes players will make movements that are absolutely integral to creating chances but they may not get noticed because they may not get the, the, the assist or get even get the ball. So I know that's a bit of a long-winded roundabout list of recommendations, but I think with tactical stuff, it's not something that I think you, you can't just read and then understand. Yes. I think it's something that it's like almost like a, you have to really like immerse yourself in, in pretty much everything. What I want to say as well with tactics, what I would also recommend is look for goals that you enjoy that look satisfying and yeah. try to work out why they're satisfying. So for example, uh, Alexis Selimak has, um, there's a brilliant assist that he does for Milan's second goal against Venezia just this week. And it's incredible what he does. If you get a chance to watch the highlights, Milan, Venezia, look at the second goal by Theo Hernandez and you watch Selimakas solve like three different tactical problems. It's incredible. And then by the, by the time he comes to the third tactical problem, which I won't spoil for you, he makes the choice where you're kind of hoping, has he seen that? And you're like, oh my God, he's seen it all. And he plays this unbelievable pass and Theo Hernandez scores the goal. That's no spoilers. And it blows my mind because he solves three huge tactical problems. And the best thing is, Ryan, everyone runs off to celebrate in the corner and Salamakis is just standing there, just nodding to himself like, yeah, like, like a kid, like a genius that solved a Rubik's Cube in five seconds. And that is why tactics are satisfying because when, when you're watching a game tactically, as I was in that moment, and you're like, okay, how's he going to solve this problem? And this one, and this one, and the problem's getting, getting tougher and the solutions keep getting smarter. So I think the reward, I would say, the reward for really learning tactics is you get to enjoy like the architecture. It's like going to the, it's like going to like a, the or to watch an orchestra and you know exactly what it's gone into, like all the acoustics and the writing and the execution is, is so satisfying. Yeah. Going to the orchestra and you see the cello is really going for it and stealing the limelight, but actually you came out and they're being like, I was just watching the piccolo flute. Yes, ex exactly. Exactly. And actually it was integral. Integral. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We need to interview like football managers like Wenger about like high art, don't we? We need to do it. Yeah. I think the way that you get really good interviews out of people like that is to catfish them into an interview, basically. Yeah. That's get right. To, like, I always had this, um, I always had this before Arsene Wenger had left Arsenal. I really, really wanted to do this thing where like, and I pitched it to a couple of people. I, this is long, long before Stadio and long before the ring, we joined the ring. But about, because um, there were loads of parallels between Pop and Wenger, right? Yeah. Uh, Greg Popovich, for those who don't know, coach of the San Antonio Spurs. <clears throat> you know, they're similar age. They, I think they were born a year apart. They took over at Arsenal and the Spurs a year apart or less than a year apart. And they'd both been there for years, right? They both love wine. They're both pretty yes. good politically. Well, I think Pop more so, actually, to be honest. I think Pop is, is far more, as, as great as Wenger is, I think he's like more yeah. kind of like a, he's a little bit more old school than Pop is. Right, right, yeah. But I was just like, someone needs to get them in a really nicely lit room with two extremely comfy chairs and a very, very, very expensive bottle of red and just let them talk. Be incredible. It'd be absolutely amazing. Just because the level of the conversation and what they've both seen, unreal, unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And they both revolutionised. Teams. Yeah. Actually, teams, like what an, um, an organisation look like, looks like. So when, when you're watching, one thing I will say, the last thing I say on this in relation to tactics is every detail matters, right? You know, like, you know, we Less talk about like, what, what managers wear and all the rest of it. Like 
what, um, you know, when you're looking at tactics on a pitch, think about, you know, who's not on the ball, who's stretching the play. Someone sent us a great question. I want to very quickly just jump into an answer very fast. Someone said, is Timo Werner mm. the, the new equivalent of the kind of the Raumdeuter, who was the kind of like Thomas Muller space interpreter, like the player that like, and I would say actually no, because Thomas Muller works within the spaces that are there, whereas Timo Werner creates new spaces by stretching. Mm, that's interesting. Because I think there can only be one space interpreter. Yeah, I don't think he I don't think he does interpret space so much as create it. Not that he's not smart, but I think he does a different thing to Muller. I think he stretches the play in a different way. I think he's a little bit less cerebral, if that makes sense. I think he's Ev- more quite Ev- like isn't almost everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think, I mean, yeah. Timo Venn is just like extremely busy. Yeah. Extremely busy. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. We had a couple of questions about picking teams. Okay. And we usually get this about Bundesliga. Right. Um, One from Max Bonham said, many fellow Americans are asking how to choose a Premier League club to follow. A London-based Arsenal supporter helped me choose Chelsea by saying, big six plus the team with the best American. How would you advise choosing a team when you have no existing ties? And there's another one we had, which was from Zan. Shouts to Zan. Hey. Uh, my brother lives right next to Brentford Stadium and will take my nephew to his first game on Saturday against my team. Zan's a Liverpool fan, right? Yes. My, bro- Liverpool fan. my brother is not a football fan. How would you navigate choosing a team for your kids if you don't have a team yourself? This case, Brentford slash Chelsea. Okay. So in response to... It's different with kids and adults, I think. Because kids, if you've got the match day experience right there, you'll get into it. Yeah, I think as, as an adult, so to Max's question, if you're looking for big 16 with the best American, then you're looking in the wrong place in the Premier League. <laughs> Pick a team that you love. I think, think about what you love, like your values or whatever, and then try and align a team with that. Try and find a team that aligns with that. So I guess in basketball, if I had a team, it would be kind of, I don't really have a team, it'd be sort of romantic, creative, always trying something, not necessarily coming off, but that you've always, they're always going for it. So like Portland Trailblazers. Sounds like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we know. try a lot of stuff. Some of it doesn't really land, but you know, we keep going. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. A little podcast that could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh yeah. So with, with a team, pick what your values are. Like I like to see entertaining play, creative risk. That's why I love Brandon Roy as a basketball player. I always talk about Brandon Roy. It's like, if he wasn't injured, one of the greatest of all time. Mm. 
one of the greatest talents of all time, certainly. So yeah, find out what your kind of values are, what you like watching, and then just find someone that aligns with that. Like, yeah, I think, example, I think, I, yeah. sorry, no, go on. Yeah, so for example, like if I had a, a team in Italy, it would probably be Napoli, right? Probably, I don't have one, but it'd probably be them because of like the vibes. But I, I love Atalanta as well because of the counterattack, but I think culturally as well, if I look at the cultural side and the like, the on and off field, Napoli is the closest to like I would have a club. So just look, think about the, what the city's like, what you hear about, what the culture's like, because you might end up just spending a weekend there one day and meeting a bunch of like fellow fans from all over the world. Like one dream of mine, for example, is to go to one particular game with a bunch of people off Twitter one day and just sit down for food with mm. them. You know what I mean? I've got, there's, I, I know the club I'd like to go to, I know the restaurant I'd like to go to, and we'd have like the pre-match and then the game and the debrief. And that, that's my dream, Ryan. So I think if you can visualize what your dream would be and then work back from there. I mean, I would personally just say never, ever, ever pick a team based on success because right. yeah. Yeah. when that goes, that's why you should never pick a partner based purely on aesthetics. Because when you guys no, get old, no matter how beautiful you both are, you're going to age. This is the real talk. The most important thing is that you both make each other laugh and you both enjoy each other's company. Absolutely. And I think you should pick the same thing for your football team. And you can't fake that. You can't fake that love. I always talk about how I became a Pacers fan. They kept popping up on my radar and I was just like, I found myself always rooting for them. Yeah. And then it was like, I think I met, I wrote that thing for Ren last year. This series against LeBron's Heat was the time where it kind of solidified it. It was just like, oh yeah, no, I think these are my guys actually. Dreadful season last season for the Pacers, but they're your Pacers. Exactly. I get it. They're yours. And I, I, it's funny. I, I feel sad that I don't have teams. I don't have a team in the NBA. I feel a bit sad about that because it's such a special league, but I love that you've got that. Your connection with the Pacers is really strong. And until I feel that connection with the team, I don't think I'll have one. I, I suppose if people are pr- choosing a Premier League club specifically, maybe that's because they watch the Premier League. But personally, my personal opinion is if you are, if you haven't grown up in England as a fan of a, of a specific club and you're, you know, you live elsewhere in the world and you're looking for a football team to support, I would actually suggest looking outside of the Premier League. Personally, mm. because yeah, I yeah. think that in terms of a community that you can potentially build as a, as an international fan, I think that there are some really nice connections that you can build there. And also I think just club like ethics and, Oh, that's like that, beautiful. Think, yeah, the fandoms, some of them are biased because we live here, but some of the fandoms in Germany are just yeah, beautiful. They're, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Community is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to another question. Rich Nurimban. Oh, Nur Einbahn. <laughs> Should have <laughs> like Okay. I really like this question. Which footballer would you choose to be duct taped to side by side, three legged race style? If you had to be taped to someone for a full 90 minutes, would you go with their standing leg or their striking leg? If you had to be duct taped to someone. Yeah. So basically if you had to have your leg, you know, like three-legged race style. Yeah. 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 Didn't Thomas Tuckle used to do this in training with people? Probably. Probably. He actually, did the, I'm, actually, the person that I would pick plays for Dortmund. Who's that? If I'm going to keep it classy and not say I'd just get duct taped to Marco Rosa for the full night instead of... Oh, Ryan. (laughs) 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 
And there I'm the straight is. one. There he is. <laughs> Actually, on that, someone replied uh, on, on Instagram to our post about that saying, man on the internet voice, yeah, but when is it Rye visibility? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. So good. <laughs> Um, but so actually, I, I would pick Mats Hummels. Do you know what's so funny? I was going to pick Caladu Koulibaly. Yeah, centre-backs all day. Centre-backs. I, I ain't going don't anywhere near a centre-midfielder. No way. Don't, don't move too much. What about goalkeeper? Chesney. Chesney would be a laugh, actually. Yeah, true. The Chesney would be good. a really good yeah, laugh. Really yeah. good. Caladu Koulibaly. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't do Jan Sommer. He's too, he's too busy. Yeah, way too busy. Actually, would you want to... No, goalkeeper though. No, because you both, you get blamed. It'd be horrifying. I think I'd go for Mats Hummels because I think he'd, he's... I think he'd be really interesting to actually... If you're in a game situation, Mats gets a lot of shit, man, but he's... He's in the conversation to be one of Germany's all-time greatest defenders. And I think he's, he's a very intelligent footballer. He's still got it. Like sitting there or standing there with him, seeing him analysing game states, I think would be amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm only surprised about one thing. I'm surprised he didn't say PK because... Yeah, but he'd, be going, yeah, he'd be going yeah, up front all the time. Yeah, I'd be like, no, but the event, no, because he'd do the occasional. He'd be like, 85 minutes, you know, so disciplined. He'd be like, Ryan, it's time to go. Don't tell me you would not enjoy that. Don't yeah, tell actually, me PK, you. PK would be amazing because finally, <laughs> uh, finally I'd get to, you know when it's like when you see like people going on huge space missions and for the first time ever, we know what Neptune sounds like. Yes, exactly. You get this really grainy recording. It's just like, ooh, it's like, oh my God, Neptune sounds like that. I want to hear the noise that Gerard PK makes when he's going forward. When he's just, going forward. No, actually, no, I, I actually, I think, I think, I think you're, I think it's you know absolutely I, PK. For, do you know what it's PK for you? Sorry, do you know what, do you know what I think he does? Yeah. I think he ramps up like Godzilla. <laughs> before he goes. <laughs> oh God. And that, that, that's the noise that PK is making whilst on screen. You could do like a split screen, right? The atomic breath. <laughs> PK is <laughs> ramping up. <laughs> and actually on screen, it's cutting to him just pegging it forward through the middle of the pitch. <laughs> it's my favorite well, sight in football. It's my favorite sight. The reason I think, the reason I think PK is your favorite as well is because let's say it's like four nil, you're four nil up and like PK is just there. And I think, one thing you and him would love is like talking behind your hands about stuff and the stuff he'd be talking about, like he'd be talking about like, you know, stock portfolios, investments, diversification. I come to the end of my time, Ryan, you know, it's so funny as a footballer. You look back on that. This bit reminds me of this game. And you'd be having this like tactical chat about just life and like, oh, like, you know, how's the family getting on? Like, I think, I think PK is like his brain. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what I imagine yeah. conversations with PK go at corners? You're going over, you stand in the six yard box to a court for a corner and you have conversations. I imagine playing against PK would be really cool if your friends, for example, is that every right. time you have a corner against Barcelona or against you, you mark each other and you start a conversation on the first corner and it goes on bit by bit for the whole game. So when you walk, you're jogging back into the box and PK comes over and it's just like, yeah, so like I say, oven 220, put the potatoes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And whilst you're doing that, oh, hang on, hang on. Heads away. Five minutes yeah. later, you come back into the box and he's like, yeah, so basically what you want to do is you want to, like, don't put the spinach in the pan, put it in a colander, use boiled water to, think, oh shit, hang on. And then you're away again. And basically by, the end, of the, by the end of the game, you've got Bit a recipe. Secret ingredient, bit of milk. Yeah. People don't talk about the milk. 
That that would just be wild. Just be snippets wild. of little like food chat with PK throughout a football game. <laughs> that needs to be a podcast. That needs to be a podcast. <laughs> also, what I love about football as well is the fact that they've had such long careers, right? So by the end, by, after like 15, 16 years, you've seen the same player like 15 times, like, you know, 30 times a year. Mm-hmm. And the kind of chat, oh, how are the kids doing? Oh, you know, looking for school, but you know, one's wife's been a bit ill. Oh yeah, terrible. You know, like, like people are now, you mature. So the old rivalries, you see it the whole time with like a, when, when pros have a break in the play, let's say there's like an injury or like a water break and they're just talking and like, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Do you didn't, so you're going for Koulibaly? Yeah, I think Koulibaly for sure. On the PK thing, by the way, thanks to everyone who, who tagged us in the, um, Kuman bringing on PK and putting him up front the other night. That was so funny. This is one of those times in life when I feel like football is a simulation. Kuman listens to Stadio. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Kuman would have listened to Stadio if he'd gone into that press conference and, you know, he read off that statement. If he said, uh, if you let me do my work here, I believe that we can win three straight Champions Leagues and then walked out. That. (laughs) Fan service. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's wrap on this question. Oh, we had one quick question from Rory Malhotra, which said, uh, after watching his latest display, I'm a little saddened at the possibility of Chelsea post-Kante. Who would you both pick as his eventual successor? Billy Gilmore. Yes, absolutely. Gilmore looked quite good against uh, Liverpool. But I think Billy Gilmore has the potential to run a midfield. At a, at like without, a, question, yeah. without question. His peak is, his peak is out of sight. Yeah, he's, he's going to yeah. be legit. Yeah. Like He's playing really well for Norwich as well. It's just yeah. a shame that they're struggling. Okay, Logan Roberts. Let's wrap on this one. You've sold the Zlatan take IP to Jeff Bezos for 1 billion euros. Oh my goodness. Wow. You each get to use part of your split Oh, I get a split in this. <laughs> nice. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Nice. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Why Executive not? production. You get a split. You you get to you each get to use part of your split to buy a club to own slash rebuild. Specifically, which club would you like to buy, or more generally, which country slash league would you go for? Oh my goodness, um, that's a question. That's almost for another podcast. Like, like, I don't know if I'd buy a club in the UK. Um, I wouldn't buy a club in the UK. I, I don't know Uganda well enough to buy a club in Uganda. Uh, there's something about me that, that fi- I like the idea of like getting an academy system, having an Ajax style academy system in a, in, in some, someone like, I, I like the, there's two things. I'd like the idea of a, if it was in Europe, I'm not entirely sure yet, but I think if it was somewhere in Uganda, I like the idea of a kind of like African style, like an Ajax mm. academy system where people come out with great education, business administration degrees, all the rest of it. But like a shadow university, yeah. Mm. Well, we actually had a question from Jack Francis who said, not particularly fun, but what are your thoughts on the situation at Derby County? I mean, what I would actually probably like to do leading on from that has inspired me. Jack's inspired me. Obviously, sadly, Derby, there's a lot of financial stuff going on at Derby at the moment. They've entered administration. I'd like to see if you can set up, I'm not sure about the legalities of it with fair play and stuff, but basically, because if you've got a billion euros, uh, maybe you could just keep, you could have it almost as like a fund to keep low level clubs afloat or to take them exactly. out of the hands of, almost like a footballing care, a basically like a, care, like a footballing yeah. care administration where you basically take mismanaged clubs off these dreadful owners who buy them and rinse them for, for, 
I don't know, vanity purposes. Yeah, yeah. And actually try and gift them. Because if you think how many clubs, you could, lower league clubs, you could buy with a billion euros, basically pay for them and gift them back to the supporters and let them be fan-owned by like 51% or more, fully fan-owned if possible, and just gift them back. You'd be like, this yeah. is a footballing Robin Hood. It'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be incredible. But be incredible. completely anonymous. I don't want any... Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, just be like... And just a sum of money appears in the account. They're like, oh, you're like, yeah, yeah, that came from, you know. I like that. That would actually be amazing. It would be incredible. Yeah. That'd be so good. So I think that's answered my question. Inspiring stuff, man. I love it. So we managed to say not really any specific club in any specific league whatsoever. It's not bad though. We saved, we've saved, we've saved football. Do we just catfish an answer out of that? Yeah, we don't. It wouldn't be like <laughs> us, would it? Wouldn't be the first oh, time. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Won't be the last, I'll tell you that. Wow. Um, we're going to have to leave it there for today. Unfortunately, Moose has got a, Moose has got book stuff to do. I do indeed. I do indeed. Oh, the lives of a famous writer. <laughs> a writer. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get out of here. Let's do it. We hope everyone stays safe and well. Getting vaxxed if you can. Don't forget to check the ringer.com. Uh, don't forget to check Righty's House if you haven't already. Stadio Outro's plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on Sarah by Gary Davenport. Anything else to add, Musa? No, all good. If you like what you listen to, please give us a rating and review on the podcast app. If it allows you to. You sure there's nothing to add? I'm all good, Your no Honor. No books nothing you want to push? Nothing, no, no agendas. agendas you want to push. <laughs> no conspiracy theories. <laughs> Keeping it clean these days. I'm a new man. I'm oh, a new man. That's a shame. Yep. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it really? The fame's changed him. <laughs> um, <laughs> much love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend, and we will be back on Monday. Take care. Oh, Sarah. like flies we can overcome and above it we will rise like a phoenix that has taken to the skies oh Like a fee.
taken to the skies. Oh, sad.